we've been going through the different things we believe as outlined in the Apostles' Creed, those essentials, those basics of the Christian faith, those things that all of us that name the name of Jesus should be holding uh, dear to our hearts and living out of. And uh, today we're going to be looking at the line where we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. We confirm, we affirm, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Six words. And uh, the, the, the Apostles' Creed doesn't tell us really what we believe about the Holy Spirit, just affirms that we believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, so many times we wind up standing up and saying words and don't even pay any attention to what we're saying. I hate to say it. And this is one of those things that uh, there's, I'm afraid that a lot of people don't even know who and what the Holy Spirit is. And this is why we're going through the Apostles' Creed so that we can really say what we mean and mean what we say. Um, the Holy Spirit is something that's kind of just nebulous, I guess you might say, to so many people in, uh, in Protestantism and Catholicism and every other ism that there might be. Uh, you, uh, because we get it confused. Our culture, even the way we use the word spirit, confuses us sometimes. We, we talk about the spirit of Christmas. And that is when we're talking about an attitude, isn't it? When we say that somebody had a, uh, 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 a, a jovial spirit. It just means that that was just kind of a characteristic of them. Uh, uh, just, again, an ambiance or an attitude. But whenever we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about a person. We're talking about not an it, not a thing. We're talking about the third person of the Trinity. And Jesus makes it clear in the passage that we read this morning that he is just as much a part of God as any of the, of the other two people, persons in the Trinity. There's the Father, there's the Son, and then there's the Holy Spirit. And, uh, oh, it's just that I, I, you know, I got in, well, I didn't get in trouble one time, but I raised a ruckus one time because our denomination had adopted as their slogan, catch the spirit. And uh, it's like they saw the Holy Spirit as being just a contagious attitude. And they, uh, they, they said, uh, anyway, in, in, the, in their logo, they showed a dove descending, which indicated that they were talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit isn't like a good contagion that you can catch. 
It's not like an illness or something like, like you catch a cold. And yet that was what they were intimating. And our whole denomination was intimating with this logo and this slogan. And so I wrote the Board of Communications or whoever it was that uh, had put this out and went through how theologically wrong they were and how what they were saying just didn't line up with the Christian faith at all. And then I, and I sent a copy to the bishop. Probably shouldn't have done that, but uh, it was just, I was just fed up with so, so much sloppy stuff when it comes to the things of God. And this was, this was, it was, it was tapping on the edge of heresy. And so I had to say something about it. And so then I get this letter back from our board and it's this guy and he says, oh, we have uh, read your letter and uh, we're deeply concerned and would you send us a thesis or a, a treatise on just exactly what you mean by the Holy Spirit? <laughs> so I decided I give up. I'm not, if, they, if they can't understand what I've already said, I mean, I gave them exactly what they were asking for. They were just basically sending me a form letter, uh, just trying to uh, placate me. So I just, uh, I just wrote that off. There was no, if they couldn't understand, it's kind of like sometimes people say, well, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then I can't tell you. You know, it's one of those things. So I just let it go. And then apparently my letter got passed all over Nashville you know, in the main office over there. And I get another letter back from New York. And this letter, uh, this guy says, you know, I just want to know that you know, I read your letter and, and I, I, I share your concern. But just let me explain to you uh, how I have come to deal with this whenever they talk about catching the spirit said that like in baseball, whenever somebody hits a high fly, you have to position yourself and then receive the ball when it comes to where you are. And that is, uh, I think, what we're really trying to get at whenever we're saying catch the spirit. That's not what they were saying. They're just making it a happy attitude. And that is not what the Holy Spirit is all about. The Holy Spirit is God's conduit to us. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be the way that he would be with us through the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit. He says, it's, it's expedient that I go away so that I can send the Holy Spirit to you and uh, that he would be another helper that he would be the advocate. He would be the parakletos, the one who comes alongside and will be there with you. He will be the very presence of God with you and not just with you, but in you. The Holy Spirit was very important to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is not just an attitude. And so I want to just share with you basically a teaching this morning uh, about the Holy Spirit.
the thing is, in the Old Testament, there are close to 90 references to the work of the Holy Spirit. We begin to see the Holy Spirit at work in the book of Genesis, the first chapter, where it says that the, the Spirit hovered over the waters at the time of creation. Now, we also see, uh, it, it, it tells us in the Bible that uh, all things were created through Jesus and by him nothing was created. And so we see that uh, and, and it was God that was moving. And so we see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit involved at the very beginning. And then we see the Holy Spirit uh, involved in creation. And then we see the Holy Spirit. He gives gifts to specific people in the Old Testament to be used for God's purpose. When the Ark of the Covenant was being made, during the time of the Exodus, it was the Holy Spirit that filled a man named Bezalel with many different skills so that he could uh, make things out of silver and bronze and wood and stone for the tabernacle. And so we learn from the Old Testament that it is God's Spirit who not only brings forth life, but also provides the gifts needed for our lives to be full and complete. And it's the work of God's Spirit to help us accomplish what God has for us to do. The Holy Spirit also gave strength to the leaders of God's people and help to them and power to them. In Deuteronomy 34, it says that Joshua was filled with the Holy Spirit and that that's why he was chosen to be uh, the leader after Moses died. Several times in the book of Judges, Samson was said to be filled with the Holy Spirit before he went out in great strength to defeat the enemies of Israel. The Holy Spirit also spoke to the people through the prophets, and it was through them that God gave guidance and direction to his people. And King David said that the Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. And so the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was to help with creation and then to give gifts to people of God. But it was also the Spirit that gave wisdom and guidance and strength to God's people so they could be and do all that God had for them. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit always seemed to rest on, fill, and work through specific people and leaders. In the New Testament, however, this changed. Well, at the beginning of the New Testament, the Holy Spirit rests on John the Baptist and descends on Jesus at his baptism. Later, on the day of Pentecost, we see the Holy Spirit comes and fills all of Jesus' followers. And Jesus told us that this would happen in, in the passage that we read today. He not only uh, promises us the Holy Spirit, but he begins to tell us about the Holy Spirit by referring to him as an advocate, as a helper. And uh, then uh, he also said that the Holy Spirit would not only live with us, but be in us. 
And this is the biggest difference uh, between what we see of the Holy Spirit between the Old and New Testaments. In the Old Testament, the Spirit filled certain people for a specific task. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit was going to fill all those who trusted and followed Jesus. He promised to send the Holy Spirit to his followers. And on the day of Pentecost, as we read in the second chapter of Acts, he sent the Holy Spirit just as he said that he would. Pentecost comes from the number 50, which was the Jewish celebration of harvest and took place 50 days after the Passover. It was always early spring. Pentecost was a celebration of the first fruits of life. And it was to remind the people that it is God who gives and sustains life. And so it's appropriate that it was on the day of Pentecost that God chose to send the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit that gives and sustains both life and faith. It's the Holy Spirit that brings forth the fullness of life in us whenever we uh, give our life to the Lord and he comes uh, into our lives and, and indwells us. And it's the Holy Spirit that created the church. When God breathed new life into the followers of Jesus, he gave them the strength to live the way God had taught them and showed them. And as they came together to live in this way in community, the church was born. What was different about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost was that he didn't just fill the leaders or the disciples. He filled everyone. A tongue of fire rested on all who were gathered, and they all started to speak in, uh, in tongues, and they all started loving and serving in ways that they hadn't before. They started living in ways that were radically different than the world, and they all came together in one place, and they were the church. And the Holy Spirit was now filling all of the followers of Christ and not just a few leaders. It was normative in the early church to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but somehow we have lost the fact that the Holy Spirit is available for us because we don't even acknowledge who He really is. And as we acknowledge that He was so important to Jesus and that He wants to be involved in our lives, it can be life-changing, and it should be, and it can be life-changing as we recognize who He is and invite Him personally to come into our lives. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and He doesn't go where He's not invited, and He doesn't hang around where He's not welcome. And so whenever people don't even acknowledge his presence, he's not going to hang around. And so people will talk about the Holy Spirit, and they will talk about the Holy Spirit being present in the church, but they haven't really received him in their hearts and in their lives many, many times. 
because we just haven't been taught right. We haven't even looked and seen what the scripture really says. And so uh, this morning, uh, I uh, want to invite you to uh, just consider where are you in connection with what the Bible says the Holy Spirit's all about? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you opened your life to Him? Uh, just want to share two things quickly about the Holy Spirit. The first is we believe the Holy Spirit helps us to live more faithfully and more like Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is that of Jesus that begins to emerge in our lives when we give ourselves to Him. In Galatians 5.22, we see that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the more we allow the Holy Spirit to enter our hearts and lives, the more we grow in these ways and the more we look and sound and act like Jesus. It is through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit that our lives are transformed. He is the one who transforms our lives whenever we give our lives to Jesus. As Jesus said, he will take of mine and he will give it to you. Well, the second thing is that the Holy Spirit gives gifts that we're supposed to be using to serve God and one another. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, uh, the 12th chapter, the 4th through the 11th verse, it says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Not talking about an attitude, talking about the person, the Holy Spirit, who is supposed to be residing in the church as a whole, and each one of us individually as we have given ourselves to God. Uh, there are, and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of, of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing or discerning of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works in all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as He wills. And then there's another list given in Romans 12, 3 through 8. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many 
are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. So we're called to exercise those gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us. He doesn't give, give each of us all the gifts, but those gifts that he has given us, we're supposed to be exercising. We're supposed to be utilizing for the good of the church as a whole, for the good of the kingdom of God as a whole. And so he says, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. As we utilize these gifts that God has given to each one of us, we further the work of God in his church and in the world. And the Bible says that everyone has been given a gift and we are to use them not for our own glory, but for the glory of God and the work of his mission in the world. So I just want to invite you this coming week to check those things out that I've just said. That's why the Holy Spirit uh, may only get one line and two mentions in the uh, Apostles' Creed. The presence and the work of the Holy Spirit is important and profound. It is the Holy Spirit that enters our lives to change, empower, and to equip us to live that life that God has created us and called us to live. But as I said, we also need to invite the Holy Spirit to fill us. He is a gentleman. He will not go where he's not asked. Some of you may have never experienced his filling because you just never considered it. You never considered the Holy Spirit and how it is through Him that we are connected with God. It is through Him that we know the power and presence of God. It is through Him that we experience that peace that we were talking about at the very beginning. It's whenever he comes alongside us and comes into us that we really know what it's like to be at one with the Lord. Just as Jesus said, I in you and you in me and us in him. It's the Holy Spirit that brings us all together and connects us. But some of you may not have experienced it because you just didn't even know to ask. Some of you may have been filled with the Holy Spirit and not even known it. Whenever you uh, first gave your life, you gave your life intentionally and sincerely to the Lord. 
and you sensed him come into your life. That was the Holy Spirit. But then maybe you didn't know that you needed to continue to commune with him and to acknowledge his presence. And so as you ignored him, he left. Well, the thing is, he loves you. And if you ignored him and he left, he just did it to be nice to you. And he will be more than happy to come back if he's invited. Well, D.L. Moody, sometimes, let's face it, we can get so busy about God's work, we can wind up neglecting the Holy Spirit as well. One time a, a woman asked D.L. Moody, uh, have you ever been filled with the Holy Spirit? And he said, why, yes, many times. And she was shocked because she thought that it's just a one-time thing. He said, well, why, why many times? He said, because I leak. And the thing is, yeah, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. But then in the day-to-day -day things that we go through, until we stop and recharge, you might say, our relationship with God, we're going to leak. And so we need to take time from time to time and just reconnect with the Holy Spirit, even if we have been filled with him in the past, because like any relationship, if it's going to work, you have to work at it. And so he is a person. And so you have to work personally with him and with your own, own your relationship with him. Our closing hymn this morning is going to be Spirit of the Living God. And I think that this can be our prayer this morning. If you would like for the Holy Spirit to just come into your life, to come into your heart, and, that, uh, and to start whenever you affirm, I believe in the Holy Spirit, really affirming that relationship that God wants to have with you and that's brought about through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a perfect prayer. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me.